Not too many people have seen a dead man walk out of a tomb, especially a guy who's been in the tomb for the better part of a week. But as we just heard, 2,000 years ago in Judea, in a little town known as Bethany to be exact, many people did see just that, a dead man walk out of a tomb. And yet some of them still did not believe in Jesus, the God-man who had worked this incredible miracle. You know, all of our Lord's miracles were astounding. This one was especially so. The fact that some did not believe is a rather amazing fact, if you ask me. We just buried a lovely woman named Loretta here yesterday. We buried her from St. Pius. If somebody took me down to River Bend Cemetery in four days and the two of us stood in front of her grave and that other person said, Loretta, come out, and she popped out of the ground, you can bet I would take notice. That's really what happened here. And yet some still did not believe. It says at the end of the text, at the end of the story, many of the Jews who had come to Mary and seen what he had done began to believe in him, began to believe in Jesus. Notice the word, many. Many is not all. The fact that some still didn't believe is clear, incidentally, from the very next line of the Bible. We didn't hear it today, but if you go home and open up your scriptures to John chapter 11, the next line of the text reads as follows. Some others, however, went to the Pharisees and reported what Jesus had done. And together, they and the Pharisees plotted our Lord's death. They didn't believe. Why? That's what I want to know. Why didn't they believe? Or maybe the better question is, why didn't they want to believe? I say that that's the better question because all too often, my brothers and sisters, the evidence for something really doesn't matter to people. It should, but it doesn't. They believe what they want to believe, in spite of the evidence, not because of the evidence. It's like the people who want to keep abortion legal in our country right now. You tell them to look at the evidence, the clear scientific evidence, the genetic fact about when human life begins, which is the moment of conception, and they totally ignore it. That's because they simply don't want to believe that abortion is wrong. So they put reality aside, ignore it completely. Why didn't these enemies of Jesus want to believe that he was the Messiah, the one they were waiting for, the Savior who was to come? Why didn't they want to believe that he had the power to raise a man like Lazarus from the dead? I think one reason is, it was easier for them not to believe. As hard as that might be to believe. 
Some of you were here for Father Toronto's mission this past week. If you were, you were blessed. If you didn't, you missed a great mission. And one of the points he made there very explicitly, and he made it quite often, he made the point that if you really are going to believe in Jesus, you have to be willing to change your life. And change isn't easy for anybody. According to St. Mark, the first command that Jesus Christ gave during his earthly ministry consisted of one word. You remember what the word was? Repent. To repent means not only to say you're sorry. Yes, it does mean that. But it means something more. To repent also involves making changes, real changes, visible changes to your lifestyle so that you'll become a better person. And that isn't easy. So it was easier for these people who witnessed this miracle to say, uh, I know what I think I saw, but I really don't believe what I think I saw. Another reason they didn't want to believe in Jesus might have had something to do with their pride. I say that because nobody in their right mind likes to admit that he's been wrong about something. Or wrong about someone. We all like to think we are perfect judges when it comes to the character of other human beings. But you see, if these men and women were ever going to come to the point where they would be able to say, yes, I now believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Anointed One of God, they also had to be willing to say and to admit in all humility, I was wrong about him. In the past, I was wrong. I thought he was a charlatan. I thought he was a fake. I even thought for a time that he was in league with the devil. But I admit it, I was a fool. And that also would have been hard for them to do. It was easier for them to say, no, I don't believe. Or maybe it was peer pressure that kept them from wanting to put their faith in Jesus. It says there, and I quoted this a few moments ago, that some of them went to the Pharisees immediately after witnessing this incredible event. Was that because they were friendly? with the Pharisees? Buddy-buddy with the Pharisees? Maybe. Was it because they all hung out at the same synagogues or at the same marketplaces? That's possible. You see, if these people socialized or fraternized with folks like the Pharisees who had already condemned Jesus as a heretic, as a blasphemer, chances are they would have felt pressure to feel the same way in spite of what they saw that day when this dead guy walked out of the tomb. Let's face it, my brothers and sisters, we all want to be liked by others. We all want our friends to think that we're really smart and that we are really nice. And that can sometimes cause us to say that we don't believe what we know deep down inside we really should believe. And then there's the persecution factor. You know, if Jesus has so many enemies, what will happen to me if I suddenly say I believe in him? Will Jesus' enemies become my enemies? 
Will the people who want to hurt him want to hurt me and my family? That might have been a pressing issue for some of them. Which leads to the last reason I'll give you as to why these men and women might have hesitated to believe in Jesus after he raised Lazarus from the dead. It's the fear of earthly loss. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. It's amazing, my brothers and sisters, how quickly people will say they believe in something if there's a material benefit attached to it. It's also amazing how quickly they will radically, suddenly change their belief for fear of losing some material advantage. Politicians do this all the time, do they not? Especially during election years. I'm sure most of you have heard the joke about the three men who went to interview for a job one day. I think this story makes the point quite well. The interviewer brought the first guy in. He said to him, what's two plus two? The man said, four. Brought the next man in. What's two plus two? Four. Then he brought the third man in. The interviewer said, what's two plus two? The man responded, it's whatever the boss says it is. Sad thing is, as the story is told, that's the guy that got the job. You see, perhaps these people in Bethany thought that they'd lose their jobs if they said they now believed in Jesus. If they were merchants, and some of them no doubt were, maybe they feared that some of their clients would take their business elsewhere. Those are two very real possibilities. There's an old saying, the more things change, the more they stay the same. We live in a world right now that's different in many respects from the world of first century Bethany where this last and greatest miracle of Jesus took place. That's different. But you know what? Some things are still the same, including human nature. In spite of the evidence that Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of the world, which, when you think about it, is even greater now than it was in the first century. We not only have the evidence of the Bible, we have the evidence of the great saints, of the great martyrs of human history. We have the evidence of millions of lives that have been transformed by the resurrected Christ, by the living Jesus Christ, by the Son of God, Jesus Christ. We have all that evidence. And yet, in spite of that, the pressures for us to disbelieve. The pressures on us to follow another path in life are exactly the same today as they were 2,000 years ago. I hope I've made that clear in this homily. May the grace of God, the powerful grace of God that comes to us today in a special way in this Eucharist, May that grace help us all to overcome those pressures to disbelieve. And may that grace help us to have a strong and unwavering faith in Jesus Christ always.